Hey, can I just tell you how Pints of the Aquinas has 258 patrons? Yeah, they also probably get like way more downloads than we get. It's not fair. It's not fair. He's totally better than us, but it's not fair. And he's and he's better looking too. Hey, Aaron wants to say something to you really, really quick. Oh, let me maximize my screen. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Great. How are you? Good. I just wanted to let you know, I've been praying for you guys and I've been, I had every intention of sending you a Facebook message just to reach out and to let you know that I was praying for you guys. And then also just for everything with your dad as well. Um, so um, just wanted to tell Luke you that sent me, Luke sent me more than enough dick pics to make up for it over the hurricane he's season. Good. He's good at sending dick pics for <laughs> consolation. <laughs> he's really sweet about that. I'm glad that he did that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. But thank you very much. Thank you very much. That's awesome. I appreciate yeah. It. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was a I just crazy to say time. That. oh my gosh, is everything. So your y'all's yeah. house is okay, right? Yep, we're good. The water came on our street, but not up our house. So we're good. Gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. We'll keep us updated. You're, you're in our prayers. You're in my prayers. Thank you. In my love you guys. You're in you're, my thoughts. You're in his thoughts. That's whatever that means. <laughs> good vibes. Good vibes. <laughs> He's sending you good vibes. <laughs> All right. We'll have fun tonight. I'll awesome. let you guys get to it. Ooh, All right. thank you. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> have fun. boys. <laughs> Will do. Thank you for your prayers. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, keep us updated. Will do. Bye. <laughs> so, how are things? Things are gray, like the sky. Hey, wait, before we begin today's show, can we just mm-hmm. take a moment to thank a handful of people? I sent them to yes. you on the list. You did. You, you did. We want to thank people who are supporting us on on Patreon. This goes a very long way to help us improve the quality of the show and to keep this thing that everyone, for some stupid reason, wants to keep going. So, we'd like to thank... Do you want to, do you want to start? Well, I, I have those. I think we should start with the $30 donor. The $30 donor, Trevor Sorensen. Sorensen? Did I pronounce that right? I think so. Sorensen. Yeah, so Trevor, you are fantastic. Uh, what do you get if you pledge $30 a month? Oh, crap. I don't have the thing open. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. You become an official patron saint. Uh, that means you get to contribute a question to the 10-minute ep- ten-minute topic episode. Uh, when I'm done with my ebook, I will publish them only to our $30 or more per month subscribers, and you get all previous rewards. My wife will be sending you catching boxes sticker in the mail uh after september 1st which means after after we get your cash money ladies and gentlemen i just want to say this one thing if you want to donate and see what it's like uh i would encourage you to oh dang it what it's it's oh no backfire i was gonna say do it before september 1st because all the people who paid you don't pay until the first of the month so i was gonna say just do it like the last couple days throw in two bucks throw in thirty dollars it disappears and then cancel your thing or don't cancel it. <laughs> In the case of our good buddy Trevor, thank you so much, Trevor, for donating $30. We now have um, four people in our $30 patron saint spot and four people in our uh, CF drinking game spot, which Luke is hard at work. 
I am at a desk. There's one of those green like lamp things. I've got a hat and papers and there are little pen holders and some ink. Drop it. I'm writing away working at things. <laughs> Susie, give me another pack of cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, Spider-Man. Front page. <laughs> Parker. <laughs> I'm sorry. Who's this Superman? <laughs> Olsen. Get on this. All, all comic books are essentially the same. Anywho, thank you, Trevor, so much. But we also have three other people to thank. Luke? Uh, Kyle Roland. They keep me rolling but... with donation. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, Renzo Ortigal. I butchered or, that last No, it's, or, it's Ortiga. It's Ortiga, but Ortiga. I put an exclamation point oh, in front sorry. of it. Or at the end of Renzo. it because... Renzo uh, has also reached out to us on Facebook numerous times. Oh, and that's on right, Twitter. Renzo. Or maybe, or, maybe it's just on Twitter. Ortiga. And Emily Drozd. I used, to, I used to have a guy in high school that I knew whose last name was Drozd, so that's cool. So Kyle, Renzo, and Emily, thank you guys so much for your your uh, your uh, support you make this podcast possible thank you thank you thank you thank you we are praying for you uh, you guys are awesome feel free to reach out to us at any point in time just to say hi we would love that i would love it and where can people if they wanted to reach to if, if people wanted to join our patreon if they want to be a part because i really do mm-hmm. think of what's kind of going on here i'm not saying it's um it's a movement, but there's some stuff happening. There are some conversations being had Did where you... I feel like this is opening up some things. A movement? I'm not saying I'm not saying it's a movement, but I'm starting to see some people are saying, "Hey, I want to discuss stuff as opposed to just like downloading in like info." I want to like wrestle with things. You know, there are conversations starting to happen because of this. I'm not saying that it's a movement. I'm not not, not even it's, in there. It's so funny you say that because I was literally going to compose a series of tweets that one of them is, my first one was, do you think it, basically it's not humble for praise and worship artists to write in their song that the song you're currently singing is an anthem of a whole generation? <laughs> right? Like, this is the anthem of your renown or whatever. This is the anthem of a generation. This I'm a, is a saving grace. I always thought... When, this is a plenary indulgence. <laughs> this is extreme unction. Uh, I always thought that it was weird when people would sing it. And so I, I literally, whenever I sing that during praise and worship songs, I'm always like, eh, this is the anthem, I guess. I don't know. I don't want to... Yeah. But yeah. the um, my favorite part yeah. is... Um, or the other thing I was going to say immediately following it is... Sometimes I feel like uh, when ministries or media companies that are Catholic call themselves a movement, and nothing makes me more like insane when people do that. Have you experienced this? Um, so my call actually just got dropped, and I just jumped back into it. So I'm gonna act like I know what you were talking about. Yeah, actually, I I really do get annoyed with that when people call their their own ministry that they make a movement of the Holy Spirit or something. Yes, like that. I'm like, my first experience of that, and I say this, everyone, if you've heard this podcast at all, you know that I say that this with all, um, with a, like a whole bunch of love and appreciation and gratitude for my experience. But my, my, the first time that happened was when someone was explaining Ragnum Christi to me. And I was like, what? 
<laughs> it kind of threw me off for a bit, but I understand it now. So at the time, I used to have a really big problem with it. But since being involved with that and starting to talk with people and really praying about uh, getting involved with communion and and uh, communion and like liberation, it doesn't bother me as much. Well, there there is like a canonical distinction of like movements of of the lay faithful. But it always drives me nuts when people are like, we are a movement of the Holy Spirit. I'm like, because I, I just want to say, this is the part of the marketing hype that you kind of woke me up to, that I done got woke to, with uh, when, when you were talking about, uh, you know, like, discipleship language today. And, mm-hmm. and it's like, this is disciple. It's like, settle down. Settle down. It's a DVD hey, program. Click, click here. Just scroll down a little bit more and you'll find out how to do this oh i'm sorry a little bit more not (laughs) not quite still trying to get you to buy our things so anywho i have come across numerous places where they'll say we are a movement of the holy spirit and i'm like ah yeah you're a you're a you're 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 an email list like come on you're a podcast no and i well you know like my um why so when i heard and like again these are actually like movements and you know things but it just has a like a culty vibe yeah soon and i don't i don't i'm not saying that's because of these groups like rc and communion and liberation i think it's just more um in America, when people use a word like that, it comes across a little bit of cultiness. And again, not saying those groups are at all or that's their intention whatsoever. I just think it's for some reason within our culture, that word kind of just implies that a little bit. Yeah. I think of it. Yeah. And so, uh, anywho, I just. When you said it's a movement, I was like, uh, this all started over just catching Fox's Patreon. I was just go, kidding. Go, no, no, no. I'm yelling at myself. This is patreon.com slash CF where you can support us and random tangents like that. Random tangents. Tandem yeah, so, rangents. Uh, Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash CF, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash CF. Um, your, this, it really does go a long way to keep this show going. So thank you guys very much. Yeah. Thank you. It. Um, hi, hey, so how are you? Are, are you good? Can you breathe? Do you even want to be doing this right now? Are you sure this is a good idea? Uh, yes. Okay. I just want to make sure. Did I answer your question? Yeah, yeah. For the so most was, part. Yeah. So, um, anything interesting happened over the past few days? Well, all of Houston flooded. I still can't believe this. It is weird. It is weird. So, for those of you who don't know, get a TV. Uh, <laughs> Hurricane Harvey came up through the Gulf into into Corpus Christi. Now, here's the deal. I heard some, most people are nice, but I heard some, uh, how we say, dumbasses saying things like, People in Houston should have evacuated. Okay, let me explain something to everyone. Everyone in Houston was tracking this storm like fanatics because we didn't want to get caught. We got some major rainstorms last year, Memorial Day or whenever it was. We had uh, Allison in 2004. We had the floods of 1994. We, we know this stuff, right? And so what ends up happening for us is we're all watching this. And over and over again, every news report says the same thing. 
Tropical storm, tropical storm, hurricane category one, no matter what, it's on track just to go straight north through Corpus. There are low pressure fronts on either side creating an alleyway that it's just going to go and stay in this area. It's probably going to send some dirty rain your way, but it's not going to go over Houston. And then as Friday moves on and then as Saturday comes, lo and behold, it shifted through the Gulf closer to us and it got bigger. And it became a Category 4. Okay, so as it becomes, and then it makes landfall, and it's kind of just sitting there. And as it's sitting there, it's dumping water. And this is the thing that I think we often forget. It's not about the rain. It's the accumulation of rainwater in places where either, A, water doesn't have anywhere to go, or, B, water already is, a.k.a. reservoirs, lakes, ponds, dams, and and rivers and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so in Houston, like most major cities, you have these canals and reservoirs that are built in. To take the offflow and the drainage and, you know, um, uh, what do you call them, those drainage ponds and whatnot, retention mm-hmm. ponds. We have them all over the place. Well, and you also have these areas where they have traditionally been swamp or wetlands. From This is just from what I read in the Wall Street Journal where in the past they would have, a, they would have absorbed water, but because they've been – developed and whatnot they're just like not able to yeah so you, it's just it, it almost sounds like a weird no pun in no pun intended a weird perfect storm yeah and so the the reality is we just had a big old storm sit on top of us intensely for days and so um i live north so if you were to drop a drop a line right where houston is you go about 30 miles north is conroe all of that area is pretty much just Houston. There are 4 million people that live within the city limits of Houston, 6.5 million that live in the surrounding suburbs. And the crazy thing that happened was as they are increasing the mandatory evacuation and the um, recommended evacuations, right, as they are increasing those, the people have nowhere to go because every single time the highway dips down in every single place, it's filled with unpa- impassable water. And so you have, mm. we have friends like you. I mean, this is the coolest thing is they were literally, I mean, I saw hundreds of people on Facebook and Twitter saying, come to my house, come to my house. You got a family? Yeah. I don't care. Come to my house. Come to my house. We said it to at least 15 of our friends. I tried to get uh, a door ministries guy, Jonathan Alexander, tried to get him to come up. Um, but he was, he was staying put and making sure he had limbs falling on his roof. And he was really, uh, they're helping, the door ministries is helping people down there. Um, they got into the thick of it. A lot of our friends lost their homes. I I know, I know one person that lost two homes, a rental and their their house that they were rebuilding after the last flood. So, Ugh. um, yeah, it, it's just it's just a widespread heartbreak everywhere. One of the crazy things was I went on CNN to read some articles, and there, there on the front cover was my crappy apartment, <laughs> the intersection in front of my crappy apartment. Okay, what was what intersection was that? Well, that intersection was Brazewood and Brazeather. That's right, because yeah. I saw that at a gas station. No, I think I saw. So I was in, I was in Atlanta um, over the weekend, and I saw that on picture, and I was like, I know that, yeah. I know that area. I, I like, I was like, it was driving me crazy. I, I, and yeah. I was like really scared because I was like, is that either well, where Brazewood? Our... Brazewood is where the Husts are. Yeah, that's yeah, their yeah. street, and it's right off of a bayou. And that mm-hmm. bayou, and it's a floodplain. So the other thing about Houston is it's 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 a little bit, it's almost as flat as like a New Orleans. New Orleans is kind of a bowl, but um, Houston has m- multiple areas, huge chunks of areas. Probably would have been swampland, but now it, we just call them you know um, 
um, you know, planes or what a floodplains. And so um, sections of town are built in floodplain section or not. We are not, me and my family. Our house is not, but uh, less than a mile away it is. And uh, it curves around my part of Conroe in, a, in like a crescent shape. Um, and so our wonderful realtor, Arlene Novak, steered us away from all those homes, which would now be underwater. Um, so we live Jeez. in a neighborhood. We live in a neighborhood that is north. It's a new neighborhood attached to an old neighborhood. So the old neighborhood was essentially one long street down with a handful of like cul-de-sacs that branch off of it. And then a new neighborhood came in 20 years later and then built and finally, like in the last couple of years, they attached their streets to, to that one original Glen Eagle Street. And what ended up happening was um, Glen, uh, so about a mile behind our neighborhood is a river called West Fork San Jacinto. And the San Jacinto is connected to Lake Conroe, and the Lake Conroe Dam had to release its water. It was filling up with 130,000 cubic feet per second of water. It had reached 100% capacity, and it had to release its, open up its dam 100%. Otherwise, the dam was in danger of breaking, and it could have flooded a lot more areas that would have been a lot more costly of life and all this other stuff. So it was receiving 130,000 cubic feet per second. It released at 79 1,100 cubic feet per second, and all that water came right into the West Fork San Jacinto. And that river was a mile away from me, and that river became about 50 yards away from me. Holy cow. So every single, like, so this is the deal that you don't hear about in the news, that you can intuit. Me and my wife almost murdered each other and our children because it was just anxiety for like 48 hours. I had said earlier that I wanted to leave on Saturday before the flooding got bad for people in Houston, like leave Saturday morning. And I wanted to drive, and I said, you know what? I'll take the week off, and we'll just go to St. Louis. Like, who mm -hmm. cares? We'll turn into a vacation. Oh, look, guess what? It's Labor Day weekend at the end of this. We'll just do that. I had an event on Saturday morning, which – is a thing, and I'm processing the fact that we still held it. <laughs> I can't believe that. Uh, uh, but it was good. It was a good event. We had good turnout. People what? went? Yeah, because you got to understand, it was raining, but it wasn't anything. It wasn't like torrential rain. It wasn't torrential winds. It was just a slow and steady shower. So for us okay. in the woodlands, it wasn't that big a deal. But the whole point I kept saying to people was, but because we're here, we can't make preparations at home. And people mm -hmm. were like, oh, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. I'm like, I know we're fine now, but we can't make – so I tried three times to end the conference early, and I just left. I was like, all right, guys, bye. I, someone reported high water by my house, so I'm out of here. And so um, long story short, the San Jacinto creeped up. Uh, Jonathan Cardinal, he's the youth minister at my parish. He used to live on the, sh um, on the street, two streets down from us, where the That's, floodwaters came in. So that house – that – House they, was flooded. They got water in it. Yeah. So, I mean, you wow. got to realize, though, our neighborhood is one of those, like, extreme cookie-cutter neighborhoods. And the thing about it is it, it is graded perfectly. So, like, you know, all the – every house has, like, it grades with its neighbors gently sloping down away from the house. So all the water that falls off your gutters, you know, it, it goes to a certain spot in your yard and then goes right out to the street. So all of our houses are, like, three and a half, four feet up from the street. So if the street floods, you still have to get – four more feet of water before it enters your house 
So that's a big deal. Well, that street got it. And I think uh, it either went up to their front step or was in their house. Like it was hard to kind of hard to tell because I couldn't drive down that street. But you're just watching floodwaters come in, and I'm talking with my wife, and I'm like, literally, me and my wife screamed at each other and at our kids for like eight hours straight because the kids the kids are anxious, but they don't know why. And yeah. they're not listening. They're not listening to be like, okay, honey, this is what I need you to do. I need you to go upstairs with your brother and just play for 10 minutes so mommy and daddy can have a conversation. But I want to stay down here because down here is where – and I'm like, just get the hell upstairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and then me and Shannon, we're like – and uh, it was bad. It was bad. But the worst, we had just made the decision to go with our neighbors and to go to their parents' house who live a little uh, topographically a little bit higher. And uh, so we went over there, which was the, part of the anxiety of leaving your home is the, then you can do nothing. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. if a flood surrounds my house, I can do nothing. But at the same time, you feel doubly powerless if you're – I mean, imagine staying in a shelter 30 miles away from your home or 60 miles away from your home with whatever you brought with you. So yeah. I, w- I went out to go inspect various parts of the house and I te- or of the neighborhood, and I went to the, go to the grocery store, and I just sent my wife a message – Honey, I don't care what else is going on. Pack a bag. Three days of clothes for the kids and for yourself. Get a shower. Get ready to go. And she's like, uh, I need to calm down. This is, you know, and I'm like, I know, I know. It's rough, but we just need to go. And so uh, when I got back, we I, I was a little bit more calm. And uh, the grocery store, you know, you all have your Red Cross. We have our H-E-B grocery store. Yes. Seriously. Literally have. What they do? Well, they have a, a, a disaster response team <laughs> for a grocery store. And they had dozens upon dozens of semi-trucks filled with food and with, like, very particular types of food that could, you know, that are appropriate for storm stuff. Mm-hmm. Just ready to go in Goliad, Texas. Literally just waiting for the call to say, we're going to route you guys here, you guys here, you guys here, and you guys here. So that food centers and, and HEB stores would be – this is the part of capitalism that I love. So that HEBs would be fully stocked. Because let me tell you, you can get food at a, a shelter. But those shelters are not legally allowed to open until the bare minimum, the essential supplies are met. So, for instance, our sister parish just built a um, – uh, a Red Cross like shelter when they built their family hall space, which is awesome, but they weren't allowed to receive people in it until the Red Cross approved that they had the essentials there. So uh, my church doesn't have. <clears throat> we probably have. We could probably turn aspects into a shelter, but we're the second largest food bank in our county. So we sent over all this food immediately in the morning, at nine o'clock in the morning, on uh, I want to say Sunday morning or maybe Monday morning, at 9 o'clock in the morning, sent over 50 trucks full of supplies. This place gets fu- – once our supplies arrive, Red Cross gives its approval. Uh, I think in total 100 people, 100 families were sheltering there. By noon that day, all of our, all of our shelves and stuff were stocked. People, wow. were, people were driving to grocery stores an hour out, driving back, and dropping it off at our church. And just doing runs to get food because we – this is the thing that people don't understand. R- people say, yeah, donate to the Red Cross. They got helicopters. Of course, they're the greatest at immediate relief. Sustained, long-term, systematic care is best provided by the community. 
and no one has it better than the Roman Catholic Church. Between Catholic Relief Services, Catholic Charities, and our partnerships with Interfaith and with the Red Cross, we are a major distribution channel, and we have, we have so many places filled with food that we actually are turning down people because we have so much supplies, so much clothing. So we had a gym. Imagine a basketball gym filled with donations. And then hundreds of high school and uh, volunteers and their parents come in, reorganize or organize all of these clothes and all this stuff, perfectly organize it, perfectly sort it, wrap up with trash bags, label everything. And then within four hours, it's all empty and gone and gone to dozens of places around Houston. It was amazing. Wow. It is amazing. But, That's really cool. But the old Gormley family, <laughs> <laughs> we are freaking out. I am. I am. Uh, I have surpassed normal level of anxiety, and I don't feel it. Like I, it's not like I'm. I'm like shaking or something. I'm just fed up. I'm fed up with every person. I'm fed up with my baby. I'm fed up with my wife. I'm fed up with everyone. And so my wife says a comment to me, and I immediately take it out of context. And now we're yelling. And I say something to her, and she takes that out of context, and we're yelling. She, moment, over and over again, we're like, can we just stop? Can we just stop? So I get in my car, and I'm driving. I'm following my wife. We took two separate cars so that I, my car's a little bit higher up. It's an SUV. And so I said, I, as I'm turning onto the last road that will take us to this, our friend's house, my mom calls. Oh, no. And she says, well, why didn't you call me? Why am I finding out on Facebook? And I said, because there was no time. I posted on Facebook so as many people would know. And you know what? I don't need you yelling at me for not. And my mom's like, you're the one who's yelling. And I was like, oh, my God. I lost yeah. my damn mind. Of course. And then I get, I get to the house. We get our kids settled. Kids are fighting. Kids are fighting with the other kids, doing all this stuff. Get them fed. Get them food. Get them in their jammies. I get a couple beers in me. I take the kids back. My Thomas needs to lay down. I fall a dead asleep from at like 9 p.m. till 7, 7 a.m. I was out. I was so exhausted. You know, you don't get sleep. That's the other thing you realize. You don't really get good sleep during these mm-hmm. storms because you're just scared. You're just scared of everything. You're scared of water. You're scared of rain. You know what's really freaky? Hardly any lightning. Just gallant. And we get thunderstorms all the time. Lightning. It's like fireworks. Sometimes we'll just get a light show. Man, it was dark. It was it was a slightly but consistently windy. And it was endless water. And, uh, and then it was endless fighting. So then the next day we scouted out. As I'm going over to my house with my buddy and his dad, our good friend Jeremy Barter calls up and he goes, Hey, guys, you know, I, I'm, I'm staying at my, mo- uh, my mother-in-law's house. I'm a little bit closer. So I checked out your neighborhood for you. And he's like, all is clear. Water never came up into your yard. Uh, oh, that's really cool. Oh, it was awesome. He talked to me for like 10 minutes, and I was like, he took all the edge off. He's like, listen, you're going to want to come and see all the damage done to the back of your neighborhood. But right now, I, t- I met your neighbor, Ray. Ray's awesome. Hey, Ray, sometimes you listen. And, hey. I'm, and I'm sorry for offending your very well-cultivated evangelical sensibilities. Um, but Ray talked to my buddy Jeremy and, and told him that he was like patrolling the street at like 4 o'clock in the morning. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty wild. It was pretty wild. So we moved back home. We were only gone for one night. We came back home. And me and me, my friend and his dad, uh, shout out to angry Catholic, good old Joey. Um, we Joey. went to go visit his friend's house. His friend's house. The water was just below his, his uh, garage, but had gone inside about two or three feet the night before. Um, there was a retention pond that retained everything it possibly could and spilled out. A levee broke. 
the San Jacinto came roaring in. Um, that that was at nine to nine thirty. We met a, a very very colorful Pentecostal woman who was walking up and down in her rain boots, going praise Jesus, woo woo. And we were like, what is going on? And so she's telling us all about the flood. She goes, Jesus woke me up at one o'clock in the morning. Jesus Christ woke me up and said, darling, once you get outside, I want you to rebuke the water. I want you to rebuke the wind. And I want you to draw a line in your driveway and say, no further in the name of Jesus. You know how I can do this? Because I got that resurrection power of Jesus Christ. So I drew on my... <laughs> sure like, well, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so sure enough, I go back that evening. I'm going stir crazy. My wife says, will you please leave the house? And I said, yes, ma'am. And I get up and I leave. Now, they, mind you, we are five days in the house with our kids going nuts the whole time. We watch so much TV. It's like, just sit down and shut up. Can you uh, imagine if you didn't have power? Oh, no. If I didn't have power, it might have been a little bit easier because then my kids would be like all arts and craftsy. But if TV is an option, it's a constant, constant <laughs> yeah. option. Uh, but no, if we didn't have power, it would have been 10 times worse. It really would have been. But because uh, I wouldn't have been able to post on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> Then the, I would have had to. I would have had to have um, withhold Game of Thrones stuff from you. Yeah. That would have been awful. Yeah, but um, no. So I went back that that evening at six thirty. I got to that spot that was underwater. It was dry. I walked by the Pentecostal woman's house. She had spray painted the line on the front of her driveway, like uh, a quarter of the way up her driveway, and I, I have it on Twitter. Uh, she spray painted the line and wrote Psalm 91, one through 16 or something like that on there. And I was like, Whoa, Whoa. Okay. <laughs> she spray painted it. Okay. That's awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. That's, um, so like, what, what do you, I, I, I mean, I don't even know like what to ask you. I'm trying to just like, think if I'm one of our, of, it's like, I, I'm a listener. What do, what do I, I want to know? Like what, what was the, the lowest moment? The the lowest moment was trying to get out the door. Okay, so the problem was my my wife is a planner and there wasn't time to plan. And by saying it's time for us to go was a definitive. Our house might be underwater, but at this point we can literally do nothing to stop it. Mm -hmm. And you just have to resolve yourself to the notion that when you return, you might have lost everything. And how how and you, and you don't have time to sit and think about it. You don't have time to say like, oh well, it's just stuff. And I know it's just stuff, but it's your home, and you have to leave it. You have to literally evacuate because this ominous threat from literally all sides is coming at you. So um, yeah, uh, so we. Uh, we were just done with each other. So, I mean, really, the rain started coming on Thursday night and during Friday. So, on Friday, our kids were in the house. All day Saturday, I'm at this event until 1. I come home. We, we did a hurricane at Deacon Baldy's party because it was just light showers. No, there was no problem. The food trucks were open. We got lunch, or We had an early dinner. You know, we're all laughing and joking. And then Saturday night comes, roaring like a lion. And... Uh, and yeah. then Sunday, and then Sunday night. And they just kept coming at night. You know, you'd fall asleep, and then you'd wake up to hearing tree branches slide across, you know, the street. And just wind smacking sideways into your house. And it's just wild. 
one of my kids' toys went off last night, and we had put it outside. And so we're searching our house. We're like, what the heck? It was shorting out from all the water, but it was like, ding, dong, dong, da, ding, dong, da, dong. And we're like, where is this coming from? <laughs> it's inside the house. But it wasn't. Shoot it. <laughs> but it wasn't, actually. It was like uh, I, I woke up this morning at 4 a.m. And see, I mean, it's still, it's just, you just live with a constant state of cortisol coursing through your brain and your, or your blood vessels. And you're just on edge the whole time. Um, now here's the deal. This is the part that, that sucks. I am too far removed from hurricane relief in Houston. So I think tomorrow conditions will have cleared up that assistance can start to happen. Um, the biggest thing that we're going to be doing, I mean, think about how much this sucks is ripping up carpet and pulling out drywall. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be the biggest need for people. So um, we're also trying to reframe our school so that we can open up for school on whatever day it is after Labor Day and, you know, do all this stuff so that life can go on. Our our parish took on, like, I don't know, 10 or 20 more students. Um, EWTN came to our parish because one of our other parishes in our area, St. Ignatius, went underwater. So they filmed there, and then they filmed at our church, which is contributing um, to the outreach. It's just crazy. Let me let me tell you. Let me just tell you what happened with my parish. Okay, I'm going to share this to our Catching Foxes page right now. I think this is insane. Um, our parish relief as of August 30th, 20,000 square feet of donations collected in six hours. Wow. 85 truckloads of clothing and bedding were shipped off. Five shelters were served in the Montgomery County and Harris County. Harris County is where Houston's in. Uh, and then 500 plus volunteers in three days. So <clears throat> we have we built we did this big capital campaign at my parish, and we built the first thing we built was the St. Teresa Outreach Center. If we hadn't have finished that building, if that came last, we would not have been able to feed, to clothe, to serve these people. Our neighbors were really upset with us, and totally I understand because we cut down a ton of trees to kind of reposition a football field. So imagine a football field worth of trees that used to be behind your house. We cut them all down, and then we built this ugly <laughs> rectangle building. It's not that ugly, but they complained that it was. This rec- was the old guy was like really angry about. Yeah, yeah, old yeah. man yelling at clouds. And uh, mm-hmm. but the thing was, and I wrote this, and I almost sent it to the newspaper as a rebuttal, but obviously I was told not to. But um, my whole thing was, can, can you see what we're doing? We live in the woodlands. We're very isolated. Our goal is to first make sure that we're not separated from the poor. So the food pan or the building that we built, the outreach center, it has two breakout rooms for discussions or whatever. But it's really meant for group therapy, group counseling sessions like AA and NA and SSA. But it also has these, I think, four huge walk-in freezers and um, this huge room that's just dry goods storage. And it has a dock so that trucks can just back rate. And we have our own delivery truck. So a truck can just back rate in, unload or load, and go out. And wouldn't you know it, if we didn't have any of that stuff, number one, we couldn't have taken deliveries efficiently. And number two, we couldn't have sent them out. I mean, literally in four hours, we had given away thousands of pounds of food or what does it say, square feet of donations, and then and then got all new ones in. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Six hours. So. It's amazing. And the, the outpouring of help, like what you're hearing in the news, I mean, it is, it is truly remarkable. Um, the, Conroe, the facility up in Conroe that's, that's becoming a, a secondary warehouse for donations, the first time, if you went up at 8 o'clock in the morning, you drove straight in, dropped yourself off. If you went back at 9 o'clock, you were in a 45-minute line. If you went at 10 o'clock, you were in like a two-hour line just to drop off donations. So if, um, if you are in 
Ohio and you've had to like watch all of like your friends go through hell over mm-hmm. the past week and not really, really have like, there's just like really, there wasn't anything that y- you could do at the moment besides pray. What could you do right now? Um, I would say, help? I would say the best things you can do, uh, and I'll do it in this order. Um, Catholic charities and Catholic relief services, they all have Houston, uh, Hurricane Harvey relief. Cause it's not just Houston. It's also mm-hmm. all the way up, but you know, obviously we're the largest city. Um, Hurricane Harvey Relief. You want to donate there because they provide, they are trained on the ground responders. So there's that. Uh, on top of that, I would say next is donate directly to our church. We have an ability. Um, it, oh, no, 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 no. That's third. Uh, second is Knights of Columbus and their hurricane outreach. Great stuff there. Um, and then lastly, I would say is if you want, donate to our parish. We, we actually have uh, a listener, Cody, out in uh, Colorado Springs, who's going to his, – his hope is that he's going to bring a truck of water from Colorado Springs and drive it to our parish. Um, a huge thing that we need is cleaning supplies like rubber gloves, mops, trash bags, because now is, is the cleanup stage. I mean, you're hearing stories that Houston will not be the same uh, for the next, like, five to ten years. Like, we will, we will never recover – what we just lost in this i what, can't believe i i i don't even know like what that, that that's just so I, as a person who's been there a bunch who spent you know like five yeah. months there who's who coming there in now. a month yeah you're you're, you're coming i, I you're hope coming. so yeah I mean, i'm not gonna cancel it um <laughs> what luke what are you what are you coming to uh and <laughs> are we gonna do the I'm, ad read no you do your sh- good comment and then i'll do the ad read um I forgot what I was. No, as a person just, okay, who's been say, there for years, it's yeah, who's just been there like a whole bunch. Has a whole bunch of, I mean, like dozens and dozens of people that I am that I consider to be good friends are there. I, I just, I don't, I can't fathom this. I literally can't fathom this. Like, I remember. So, long story short, we were with our buddy David Huss. David was um, had just released a praise and worship album. I was helping him like market it and just do other stuff and we were on top of a building downtown doing a photo shoot and i was terrified because it was so high and i'm a complete pansy and i remember just and i just had this yeah. thought over the weekend like what was the view from the top of that building oh. like the heart of downtown right by i think his dad's like medic like where stuff was going i mean it was some like huge yeah. we were, i mean we were super high up the med center flooded the oh, whole man. houston med center i mean they were life flighting babies and kids and these, uh, it's it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. Uh, our buddy Jonathan Alexander. I was actually hoping to maybe get him on the show to talk a little bit because the fourth mm. area that I would encourage people to donate is to Adore Ministries in Houston. Yeah, I was I was gonna bring that up as as well. Yeah, uh, a lot. I mean, they're not a relief organization, which is why I like hesitate. Like, if out of state money is coming in, but the thing that they are is people on the ground who are working in areas that can very easily get ignored. People don't care to. I mean, news crews aren't walking through the Fifth Ward as much as they would through, you know, Sugarland or something like that. So, yeah, my yeah. my heart is definitely with those people. And I don't know if you know this, Luke, but this week, forty one million people were affected by flooding in Ooh. India, in Nepal. You know, I saw that that something had happened out there as well. I saw literally, on- literally, they had to get elephants to come in. Thousands of people are dead thousands Ugh. 
of people are dead. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. And then, of course, you look at their, you know, people, and they're like, of course, look at us. We're, we're talking about Houston instead of all these other people. And so I'm like, no, no it's not <laughs> It's not just that. But um, let me see if I can get the India, Bangladesh, and Nepal. Uh, 41 million people have been affected by flooding. Over 1,000 people have been killed. Um, and it's just, I mean, if you go on my um, on the tweet there, uh, which isn't too far from the top, um, you can see that uh, you can see that article and read it, but it's it's crazy, it's crazy. <sighs> and the last thing I'll, I'll mention, um, unless you want to talk about this more, is the Ferguson unit, my prison that I go to, <clears throat> was one of the main units that received inmates from uh, prisons on the Texas um, Gulf Gulf Coast um, there. And mm-hmm. so a bunch of the men were trucked up. So now all my Mondays are canceled. Uh, till further notice and in two weeks we're supposed to throw a big um our big weekend and uh, Mm -hmm. so we don't know if we're going to be able to because now they're at max capacity and have all these additional people and it's kind of crazy it's it's just so like one of the i mean and i don't i'm not trying to make this about like here's here's what happened to me while this was all uh all going on but it was weird being with um our good friends, uh, John and Beth, and just kind of like all day long, we were just like checking on our phones, looking at Twitter, just like hoping that your friends are okay. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's, uh, I, I'm not really big into Twitter or anything, but I've become this summer and I've weaseled my way into Catholic Twitter. Um, <laughs> the frustrating world of Catholic Twitter. Uh, <laughs> but the reason why I was posting so much is because of you two. Um, and because of you two, you and John being out in, um, out in Atlanta and Dr. Fazzi being in San Antonio, I, I wanted one place where I could, instead of constantly posting pictures and updates mm-hmm. to all these different mm-hmm. like threads and all this stuff, I was like, you know what, I'll post some stuff to Facebook, but I'm going to use, just use Twitter and I'm going to post everything I can on Twitter to where most of our Catching Foxes followers are. Um, I don't know. So. Well, you know, you know what's you know what's funny it was it, it was, and this is not like me trying to like toot my own horn or anything, but so I control the majority of the Twitter and the Instagram content. Um, in fact, all of it. Yeah, the um, majority. <laughs> yeah. The, um, and when I started to see people tweet about, hey, here's where you call to get this. Here's where you can go to get that. Go here if you know. And I just thought I was like, oh my gosh. Um, I mean. Texas is our number two state after yeah. California. Again, crazy. Thank you, everyone. Out in Cal, out in sweet, sweet California. Want to go to Disneyland again? Um, anyways, and I, I just thought I was like, wait, people from Twitter, sorry, people from Texas, they're like paying attention to what we are, what we have to say. I should probably retweet all of this stuff. Yeah. And so I would just go through and just like retweet anything and everything that I saw that like, and I'm not saying it was even remotely helpful but it was so weird being like kind of in a very 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 barely even at all small like involved with what was going on you know and just kind of being on edge of like i hope my friends are okay i hope my friends you know just you know trying to take anything that you can get just to make sure that people are like okay i've just never really had that before for the most part yeah Versus all consuming. So it was, and again, this is just a very small thing that I, that I, that, you know, I experienced. And I think a lot of people did it being the fourth largest place in the country. Probably almost everyone had at least one person they knew that was there. 
Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's, uh, yeah. Ooh, me. Oh my, um, real quick. What, uh, you want to say you had, you had brought up a point. I just thought it was kind of interesting about, um, H E B and the one good part of capitalism. Yeah. Could you like expand on that a little bit? Okay. So you have two, two minutes, two things happened. H E B was ready. H E B is a grocery store. Herbert Edward Butts, but and they are. Only... <laughs> oh, by the way, how funny was it today when you know, we were doing a podcast with Ascension Press and you mentioned the word or with the word orgasm? I went in my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Luke, I use it as an adult. Okay, I'm an adult. <laughs> it was so funny. Go on. <sighs> so, anywho, H E B is uh, a Texas-only grocery store. And as one mutual friend who works for a consumer goods company said, I hate H-E-B because they have the, the reach of a regional store but the attitude of Walmart. And we're like, hell yes, uh, always low prices. And so uh, H-E-B is just a, it's a wonderful grocery store, and we all like it. Um, and the other thing is Mattress Mac. Mattress Mac, uh, Mr. McInvale, down, he owns Gallery Furniture. You might remember the galleryfurniture.com bowl. Um, gallery furniture owns two mega furniture stores. The guy always has really funny commercials. We're going to save you money. Well, the McInvales are parishioners at our church. His brother, Ralph McInvale's brother is Mattress Mac. He opened up his stores cause they're, you know, furniture, but largely mattresses and bedding stuff. He opened up his stores, like hundreds and hundreds of people. He clothed them, fed them. He sent his delivery trucks into the waters you know, that kind of infrastructure assists greatly in wow. federal aid stuff. And, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, God bless the Red Cross, but people were going nuts trying to talk with them. Because I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, the Red Cross had a problem that was much larger than anything they could, they could handle in Houston. Um, but they were – most people were utterly helpless trying to work with them. They, they couldn't. And so they were turning to their local Red Crosses outside of Houston to coordinate. And, and then they were coordinating with people like – Mattress Mac and the George R. Brown Convention Center, which I think is a Red Cross institution. A lot of these are Red Cross certified places, so there's a lot of overlap. Mm-hmm. But there's this big private initiative, right? So a lot of Texan or Houston companies were like, oh, hell yeah, let's do this. Houston strong, hashtag. Right? So that's what I meant by that. Like, uh, And then it was funny. He, uh, Mattress Mac was being interviewed on CNN. And the guy said, why did you do it? And he goes, well, you know. I'm a capitalist by trade, but I'm a social worker by heart. <laughs> That's and awesome. I, and when I heard that, I was like, if only all of our capitalists were like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, because if, if um, you think about it, like you've you've got the tools to do really great, great stuff. And like one thing that I do love about open markets is that if you're do if you're not being an asshole, uh, um the price of goods is going to reflect what they're worth in the like in the um in the uh, heat of the moment and won't so the idea is that well what, like why don't you just charge a dollar for all of the flashlights because one person could just come and like buy all of them but if you charge 8 they're going to be more evenly distributed you know and i think uh I just like that. I think that that stuff is just interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. So you have the, um, a lot of people, some guy wrote a price gouging article every year. This always happens. A capitalist will come out and say, 
listen, people, price gouging is important because it regulates the flow of stuff to make sure things that are dear in terms of supply and demand stay around. So it's really not the rich. The rich can afford any price gouging. It's the middle class you got to watch out for. Because if you're poor and umbrellas and flashlights are forced by law to stay the same price, then a middle class person, of whom there are a lot more than rich people, would walk into a Home Depot and clear the place out in seconds. And then the poor people show up after work, you know, barely making it. And then even though they would have had to pay more for the goods if the prices were raised, now because they're kept artificially low, you can't, there's no, none left. Because, well, if I can give you $1 and buy a flashlight, well, here's $20. Now we're good to go. Versus, well, actually, flashlights cost $5 now. Well, then you're, you're incentivized to buy. Even if you have the money, you're still like, well, I'm not going to spend $30 on flashlights. That's insane. So more inventory is left as, as the demand escalates dramatically caused by conditions. As things become more dear, it has an effect on the price. But the other way around it, so everyone like mocks these people. How dare you call the heartless? But there is an element of heartlessness to it because you are saying effectively – Poor people, you have to make a decision. Are you going to buy that yeah. $8 loaf of and bread that. or yeah. the $8 flashlight? Because you don't have enough money to buy two. Whereas just an hour and a half before the announcement went off in the news, they were both $2 or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. HEB did this thing where when I walked into the store, they had gotten a shipment of water. And they said uh, the, the water was kept at its regular price. And they said limit one per customer. So I'm walking out with 18 bottles of water, you know, in this, you know, big Aquafina pack or whatever they had. But I knew that that would last my family for several days and it would also last, uh, you know, other people. So there are other ways to get around just the pure economic argument of supply, demand, therefore raise prices. You can, as a company, say, no, we're going to limit one per customer. We're going to limit 10 per customer. We're going to do whatever. And that way you ensure that artificial scarcity uh, or you have artificial uh, surplus, right? So mm-hmm. by your by your intervening in the market, but that's the cool thing about markets. If they're free, a business owner can do that. And if a business owner is a good person, he's not going to want to see uh, a man or woman come in who can't afford it, have to leave without essentials. Um, but this also goes to the nature of preparedness. Buy low. <laughs> we need to buy this stuff. Um, when they're not dear, you know what I mean? Um, and be prepared. So did you think you guys were prepared? Oh, hell no. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> hell no, <nah>, man. <laughs> no, I had, uh, prepared. We had, I think plenty of food to last us maybe three days. Um, I bought $200 worth of groceries cause I also bought some for a neighbor who couldn't get out. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I think we would have. I think we would have been fine. I just wouldn't have eaten as much as I usually eat. They said that in Texas, whenever there's a hurricane problem, um, the number two items, they're the top two items that go out or that sold out. What do you think they are? Uh, beer and chips. Beer and strawberry pop tarts. Huh. Yeah. So I pop bought. Tart. I bought a couple boxes of strawberry pop tarts and gave them to our friend. No, that makes a lot of sense actually. Dry goods. Um, so, yeah, so for us right now, uh, I am off of work, uh, obviously. I'm, uh, I'm working on projects that are due after we come back, but I haven't had – I was supposed to be at an event tonight at Texas A&M at St. Mary's um, Catholic Center. So 
Shout out to everyone at St. Mary's. I'm sorry I couldn't have been there tonight for Magnify. But, um, yeah, we record on Wednesdays, for those of you who don't know. And uh, I'm really bummed I couldn't be there. But, anywho, thank you to everyone on Twitter. Um, my, Can we just talk about my <laughs> some of my favorite people on Twitter uh, that are Teresa, <laughs> Teresa Williams. Let me see. Let me pull up her message. Teresa Williams, I have loved getting to know her because she's a big Game of Thrones fan. And so we talk about, we <laughs> direct message each other on that. Um, she's awesome. So, Teresa, thank you very much for your for your messages. Uh, and me and Luke's personal favorite person of all time as a fan that we wouldn't have known otherwise, Sugar Garcia. I love Sugar Garcia. Sugar Garcia. I'm, I'm so bad with Twitter names. Let me check. Who's Sugar me? Garcia, man. Shugs. She's I'm from, sure that I think she's from Australia. Oh yeah, she's awesome. I think I know who you are talking about. Yeah, she's great. Um a lot of a lot of really wonderful people. Thank you for everyone who reached out. And literally I was getting direct messages on Twitter, messages on Facebook, on um on all the damn social medias, and they're all saying the same thing. Hey Gomer, big fan of the show, just wanting to know if you're okay. And me and my family, we are okay. Support our Patreon. <laughs> yeah yeah one thing if you want to contribute if you do not want to contribute to flood relief <laughs> is give to our patreon page but if you would like for us to i don't know purchase large quantities of beer for ourselves <sighs> no i guess yeah. that's why i have the job um <laughs> that's what the I, money's for it, it was like so like weird going i was um praying for you guys on the way back i, I hadn't heard anything about your house yet and I had this thought, I was like, man, if Gomer's like, I mean, this is like way after I started to think about like, what would, you know, like, do it, please only your house go because of your kids and your family and all this stuff. And I just thought, oh my gosh, we, we couldn't do the podcast if, if, if that happened. I was like, oh. Okay, Luke, I'm going to let you in on an embarrassing little secret. You took it all with you? I took I my love you. <laughs> 27-inch iMac. I'm so proud of you. My microphone, my microphone cable, my USB breakout box, my headphones. I, I almost texted you to see if you were gonna take it. What? But I, I mean, it would have been so inappropriate. But I like. But I, I was also going to because I knew because like I know you, and I was like, I bet you he may have tried to take it. But I wouldn't be surprised if you had not either. So, and, and I would not have been mad if you had not by any means necessary. You know, I was totally like, we will if this thing has to stop for a bit because of Harvey. Like, who cares? Not a big deal. Wouldn't that be funny if you were pissed? No, let me tell you the thing that I'm most pissed off about is right before, so on Friday before, um, or uh, Friday or Saturday, I had I edit a friend's podcast. If you guys know, we interviewed Andy Levznevsky. He's the founder of Redeemed Online, those wonderful hashtag share Jesus videos um, that come out during Lent and Advent and all this stuff. And they do these weekly ones. They do you know, None Week and all these fun series that he has. He has a podcast called Catholic Heroes Weekly or Catholic Heroes Podcast which is on Redeemed Online, and I edit them. So he sends me just the raw audio. We have a Dropbox folder, so he just uploads it to the Dropbox. I download it, drop it in, do some quick edits, pump it out. I pumped it out, and as it was uploading, turned off my computer because I didn't realize the uploads were getting so slow due to the damage. So I turned off my computer. He texts me, and he's like, hey, man, listen, it's totally fine, totally fine. Hope your family's okay. You know, he did all the wonderful things. He's like, but I am wondering about this, this audio that's lost. And I was like, oh, no, you should have gotten I was so good. I did it on Friday. I did it early. I might have even done it on. No, I did it on Friday. 
I know on Friday night before like the craziness began for me, but the craziest had already begun for our communications company. So, mm. uh, so as soon as I plug my computer in, it's like, bing, file, finish loading. And I'm like, no. Uh, guys, it is hard to juggle a wife, kids, podcast, record-breaking show, and podcasts for a friend that you edit. It's like, it's been crazy. Uh, first world problems. I don't even know who else to talk about now. Uh, millennials. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so new rule for us. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna propose a nope, nope, new nope, rule. Nope. Today was perfect. <laughs> whenever you and I are being interviewed by other people, we need to keep our responses to a minute. No, no, because <laughs> your stuff was gold. I feel like I was just going on and on, and they had such, they had such. Because in that doc, so okay, sorry, we need to. We were uh, interviewed by Ascension Press Roundtable, which is a wonderful, super nice people. Yeah, super nice, really cool. And they're fans of the show. Yeah, thank you guys. Marissa's friends or his sister to uh, Anthony Anthony. that we interviewed a couple weeks ago, and Alan. He's just a great dude. Yeah, just like really nice. It was we talked for two and a half hours. It was supposed to be like a forty-five minute to an hour podcast. No, it was honestly like. Amazing! I just felt so bad because we just took it over, and I mean they, they also had like great insights and great things they were saying. So it wasn't just like we. Uh, well, they uh, had wonderful questions, Luke. They had they wonderful, no, and questions. they had great insights themselves. I just was like, oh man, this is two hours, uh, and it was like it was nice too because it was the first time that for me the podcast had kind of overlapped. Not the first time, but had like really overlapped with my job where I could speak about both. Yeah, on yeah. like equal, you know, without. I mean, while well, I was able to. Keep it vague, so don't worry, HR. It was fine, um, but it was. It really was like I was talking about like well, my job in a lot in and in um, a much more direct way. And it was a beautiful conversation we were we were having about young adult, uh, uh, um, uh, um, like young adult stuff and millennials. And I was like, man, we just go on and on and. On. I so bad. They Luke, had such great we, questions. We never got to it. I know. We are the most important people in the room, regardless if anyone else is in the room or not. <laughs> How's that? Pope Francis? Pope Francis, you want to interview us? <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, look for that from... Um, I feel oh, bad. I feel... I feel... Now, the cool thing is, with podcasts, you skew to a younger demographic. So, they were saying on the show, like, you know, the typical people that we... Uh, I just got a text message from Greg Iwinski. 750,000 downloads. Imagine what will happen when you guys are professional. Um, <laughs> Greg! Uh, but no. So this they, they asked really great questions, which led to, uh, I, I feel like I way got angry political too quickly, but they, we were talking about reaching millennials and all this stuff, and they were like, you know, our podcast skews to a younger demographic, even though our content as a company skews to an older demographic. And then me and Luke launching this whole baby boomer thing that was awesome. <laughs> I know. I feel Listen, so bad nothing about against, it sometimes. Nothing against baby boomers except all the world's problems. What was that line uh, someone tweeted um, oh, with the North Korea nuclear war thing? Oh, like, yeah. As a, okay, as a Gen I'm Xer, Xer, I'm super pissed that the end of the world is going to come because of uh, uh, a baby boomer, baby boomer and a millennial are arguing about who's more important. <laughs> He was uh, talking about when uh, Trump and North Korea were going at each other, which, by the way, North Korea, um, 
usually their stuff doesn't bother me. Usually I'm like, whatever, they're flipping nuts. Pray for their, their people. Those people are insane. They fired a missile over Japan. Yep. 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 That's, um, I'm not, I'm not scared. It's called escalation. Yeah, exactly. I'm not scared of them firing one at us because I know we have the technology to like basically have it not hit us. So that doesn't, I'm, I'm honestly not too worried, but I am concerned more about um, Asia, mm. you know, obviously, and just what they can do around there and what happens when a missile finally, when, you know, he just goes off the handle because he's a fat fuck and like, uh, <laughs> Like, what happens? Yeah. I mean, just imagine this. You wake up to the news that a pissy Kim Jong-un just launched a nuclear missile into Tokyo. World economy over. Right? We are now at a war footing with everyone because Tokyo, Japan, has a constitution that is pacifist that was written by the United States and handed to them, essentially. And we will agree to defend them. So they get hit. (laughs) We go to war. Yeah, and we're going to war with a bunch of millennials. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, and, and I mean, it is very like you know, and I'm not saying this is not a part of my end of the world kind of thing that how I, I think it's all going to go go down, but it it does concern me that as we're trying to you know implement economic like sanctions, that China and the Russians are trying to stop us from doing that. Yeah, and I'm like, but this is not good. This is really, really not good. Kim Jong-un I, I just, killed his brother. <sighs> killed his brother, and it was one of the most elaborate spy games poisoning attempts. With, um, I think they killed him with the same stuff that they use in the movie The Rock, starring Sean Connery Are you and serious? Nicolas Cage. Yeah, that, like, that type of gas that like, if you breathe it in, it like, starts cooking you on the inside. It, it's crazy. <sighs> It was either that one or some other one from some other Hollywood blockbuster. But they killed him with this woman, like, smeared it on him and all this. It was crazy. Crazy story. But he, like, kills people with – he'll, like, tie them to a post and shoot at them with aircraft, anti-aircraft machine guns. So, like, literally nothing is left. There's just chunk of human unidentifiableness because those guns are huge. God, I mean, this is, this is the guy sitting on a nuclear arsenal with a terrible haircut. Mm-hmm. And this is why, like, I, I mean, that's, I don't want to get all like anti-Trump, but this is, I, I do think it's kind of interesting. I, I heard one person argue that one of the reasons why Trump was trying to use the like, rhetoric that he was, was he knew that Kim Jong-il would understand that. Yeah. That him saying, I will wipe you off the earth is basically like he gets that kind of, and I, and I actually, that doesn't bother me as, as much. If, 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 if that's really true, I kind of get that. But at the same time, probably he's like, you've got to be presidential. Like, this is not – like, there is no room for air in this. Zero room for air. Um, this is, like, as serious as it gets. Like, nuclear war should scare the hell out of all of us. It and is. we've grown up so used to it yeah. that it's this vague threat that we've never really had to, like, think about if it could actually happen. We have over three – thousand nuclear missiles on standby ready to launch okay they are run by software that is loaded on 3.25 inch floppy disks or 5.25 inch the big ones 
They're, that's the software. Okay. Jeez. One day a pizza delivery guy walked into a nuclear missile silo that was propped open for the pizza guy. And he was arrested for sneaking into a campaign. And he's like, I'm the pizza guy. They called me. Oh, no. Right. We have almost come to nuclear oblivion with Russia, I think, seven separate times outside of the Cuban Missile Crisis that most humans don't know about. They recently declassified it. One time there was a flock of geese flying, migrating in Norway, and the Russian satellites thought they were an early launch strike nuclear missile cluster. And so they went to their whatever their DEFCON equivalent is, and they were seconds away from launching. Do you realize that? Seconds away from total, all-out, global thermonuclear warfare. Shall we play a game? Uh, destroy, divide. Um, Man, I want to get all anti-war up in this shoes. I know, I know, I know. You're rich, and I can, I can feel it. I just want to say this. Feel it in I my just want to say this. I just want to say one thing. Uh, a U.S. military strategist wrote for their doctoral thesis an assessment of the U.S. nuclear weapons capability as a deterrent. And they said, and I quote, if you actually, I'm not quoting anything. And I <laughs> quote, and, and like, they really? said, you're going to quote, huh? Yeah. And they said, and I remember in paraphrase from what I remember, the United States could effectively use a modern nuclear arsenal as a deterrent. Right. So that's the excuse of why we have so much as a deterrent. 300 max missiles. Right now we have over 3000. The, uh, the United States Department of Energy, its budget is what keeps nuclear missiles armed. It's not even in the defense budget. The defense budget would increase by like 40% if the nuclear missile capability was put underneath it. And so our, our big thing is uh, if you could reduce that by 90% and still be effective, why not? Why not? <sighs> but we can't and we won't. But we should, and we will. Wait. <laughs> Sorry, I'm on my second beer, but they're tall boys, and I'm a little tipsy. <laughs> oh, man. So, hurricanes, they suck. Uh, rivers gone from the back of my house. Uh, family safe. Friends still in danger. I plan on going oh. down to Houston tomorrow or, sa- or Friday. Can't go Saturday because my daughter may or may not still have a birthday party she has to go to. See, this is the weird thing about it all is my life is totally normal right now. I shouldn't say totally normal, but it feels normal. Mm -hmm. There are about three or four million people whose life is not in any way, shape, or form close to being normal. I survived unscathed. High stress, high anxiety, fights with my wife. But that's it. That's the worst that happened to Michael Gormley. So now I have, as my buddy so eloquently expressed, a little bit of survivor's guilt. That I feel bad mm. that nothing bad happened to us. Mm-hmm. And bad things happened to my friends. Mm-hmm. And it's irrational and it's selfish. It might be narcissistic. But even when I talk to people, I tend to emphasize all the bad stuff. Because I don't want to seem like... Like, uh, not, not that nothing bad happened to me, because nothing bad happened to us. We didn't drown. My cars didn't go underwater, any of that. But I feel like I am not, like, I should have been punished too. And it's the weirdest mm-hmm. feeling, because you know it's utterly irrational. 
But at the same time, it's this game that your guilt kind of plays with you. Like, come on, they're much better people than you. You know, they didn't deserve this. They're, look at all the stuff they're struggling with. I had a friend whose baby had to have open heart surgery uh, today. Baby's okay. But imagine trying to do that knowing that the, a hurricane has devastated everything around us. Oh, you know, God. and just the anxiety of a mom and dad going into that. You know, my kid, like, threw a metal car at my other kid's forehead, and that's it. I don't know why Thomas keeps doing that, but he laughs every time like a madman. Mm. And I and I'm probably gonna watch uh, Wonder Woman. You know, like that's the worst. <laughs> yeah. You know, but yeah. at the same, t- I mean, I know that shit happened. But at the same time, I uh, the worst that happened to me was anxiety. And I have friends who have no home, and so I just hope everyone listening to this, we can all see and scroll through those pictures, right? All the devastation. You know, the the windshields popping out of water in the middle of streets, mailboxes that are covered, you know, you know what I mean? Mm. And we can all see that. And the cool thing of the the Cajun Navy coming in on their flat boats and the signs of heroism and the different way our political, our political flunkies steal tragedy to wage war. Um, The, the, don't get so jaded that you don't let a little bit of your heart get broken, realizing this is what, like, like good people tonight, good parents are not going to be able to kiss their kids because they lost them in a storm. Or I heard a, a family of four went over a bridge because they couldn't see the end and they got pushed by, their, by the water. Oh, it, it was, the water wasn't dangerously high. It was moving too fast. And mm-hmm. they just were too close, and you can't see, and they died. A family of four. People have lost their homes forever, and it's so easy to just be like, yeah, okay, I get it. Or it's easy to hashtag it and whatever. I just hope everyone listening, you know, people will say, okay, well, then what do I do? What do I do with this feeling like I want to do something, but I'm not going to go down there? I can't. I can't. So what do we do? I would just say this. You know, Pray in a serious way for the the people who number one are affected by by their loss by what they mm-hmm. lost number two by the rescuers supporting them and number three for the long-term recovery of Houston and right now look at where you can donate and donate to not just immediate relief but look to areas for long term so yeah. for instance schools in the north and in the east, that are opening and taking in students. I don't know if that's appropriate, but maybe donate to them. You know, like mm-hmm. you know, you know, like find creative ways mm-hmm. that that can connect you to people's stories, not just to organizations. Obviously, the organizations are awesome. Red Cross is awesome; they're doing great work. Catholic Relief Services, Catholic Charities of Houston is an excellent, and I know from personal experience, they are an excellent organization. You donate to them, you are not losing your money. You donate to St. Anthony of Padua, I can promise you not a single penny goes to overhead, okay? We're a church. We, all of our people are volunteers, and they go and get shit done. We are the most type A congregation ever. We get it done. 75 trucks showed up to take shipments away. 
not a single one of them asked for remuneration or you know how how many cents per mile do or per gallon do I get right no mm-hmm. one no one did that or per mile you know no one did that mm-hmm. because this is what's happening now so if you want to help help things like that just think of immediate relief long term solution and just send your money accordingly wow yeah can't put it any better than that well shoot luke luke gomer we forgot to do the damn ad read oh yeah and and counter houston we're sad about it so let me say (laughs) this the people of adore right now are in houston doing the work of actually they they help rescue people from homes because any hickman and his family they're all a bunch of rednecks and they have like pontoon boats I'm, i'm sure but they all they all are amazing people in diff- they live in difficult parts of Houston. That's part of Adore Ministries job, right? They they live as these missionaries in and with the people. And so right now they have helped people, they have sheltered people, even strangers. They have connected them to shelters and got them to and they're helping them recover. So uh these are the people that are putting on in in partnership with with Franciscan University are putting on Encounter Houston. Any e. Hickman, he's the one driving uh, driving uh, the the vision of it um as he did last year when I was a speaker there. I'm not a speaker there this time. I don't know what's going to happen totally. Um I hear that that area of town where the hotel is is okay because it's near the George R Brown Convention Center and that's a major um uh, relief area. The I want to encourage you to come out to Houston on that Friday. I know this is very auspicious because we just had a hurricane. But if if events are still on, come out that Friday and hang out with Luke and me. Yeah. We are going to be there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I'm going for the event, which is all day Saturday. And I get the I get the honest blessing of having Luke out here with us. But uh, I was already planning on going regardless of this, this sweet hookup that they have. So if you go to EncounterHouston.com, you click the link in our show notes. It will take you right to the page. You type in Catching Foxes, all one word. You get immediately 20 bucks off um, what, what you choose. And that is, that is basically their early bird pricing. So get that. Get that now. Get the hotel with the three days so we can all party together. My wife and kids are going to be out of town. I don't get this gift often, <laughs> except when I go out of town every other week traveling. But this this notion that I'm going to be there, Luke's coming in Thursday night. We going to party. Come hang out with us. Yeah, no, I'm I'm there. If it's I'm there in, in a freaking heartbeat. So I am so excited about this. If for some sad reason Encounter Houston is canceled or or whatever, Luke is still coming down. So we're going to have Encounter Gomerston, and we'll just invite the Adore guys over to our house. And we'll have a we'll have a a comic comic relief party. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, I think I speak for everyone um, who is uh, who um, is listening. That um, thank you for just like you know um, telling us your uh, your your story, the good and the bad. You know. Um, I think it's very important for people to hear the human side of this, you know, like not just like the crazy stories, but just the like, yeah, like what do you do for like, you know, when you're in a house with your with your um, wife and your kids for five days and can't go anywhere. Oh, we even bought Twister and my kids got in a fist fight over Twister. Well, I mean, it's a pretty intense game. Yeah, it was because they weren't standing in the right place for my daughter before the game even began. (laughs) 
<laughs> stand on the words twister stand on the words stand on it stand and then just scream <laughs> battle royale <laughs> here's a knife do something with it <laughs> <laughs> oh man all right you can find me at lay evangelist you can find luke at the luke the you can find us both on uh facebook.com slash catching foxes podcast mm-hmm. if you want to support the show if you love us two dollars a month you won't even miss it go over to patreon pa t r e o n dot com slash c f for catching foxes um if you donate ten dollars or more i send you a sticker and you get access to our sweet soul of the apostle at reflections that luke is continuously updating uh continuously continuously uh you also get um some wonderful stuff you donate thirty dollars or more you know trevor we love you brah we love you brah thanks buddy you're awesome you can donate any amount. You can donate a dollar. You can donate two dollars. Oh, if people, if someone could donate really, really soon, we're at a six, six, six right now. It's a little bit weird. I feel so, uncomfortable. Uh, I feel if very... someone could just give us a good two dollars, I would really appreciate that. That'd be be really nice. Yeah, I want to call out one dude who donated. Uh, oh, it was, it was. Um, oh no, it was it was Emily. How do you say her name? Drozd. Drozd. Uh, Drozd. Drozd. Emily Droz, you are the one that kicked us with your $10 pledge all the way up to $666. So thanks, Emily. And you know what's the hardest part about Patreon notifications? Looking at $5 deleted by, $2 deleted by. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. What did we do to make you so mad? What did we do? Oh, this. Okay. So, all right. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for supporting us. If you want to get a hold of us, uh, I want to invite you to go to the Facebook page. That's the easiest. Or you can reach out to Luke through the Catching Foxes Twitter handle. What is that? Is it C Foxes Podcast? Uh, yep, at C Foxes Podcast. We're on Instagram at uh, Catching underscore Foxes, I think, on in, on in Instagram. Wow, Luke. We're good, there. Good job with the whole brand unification. Yeah, green jacket, yellow jacket. Who gives a shit? You know what I'm saying? Hey, did you post any of my hurricane pictures on our Instagram? Uh, yeah. uh, no. Seems like those I was would doing be it more through Twitter. Pretty good things to put on our Instagram. Yeah, but I don't have like the context for it. At the time, you just like send pictures of things. Shut up. You, out of anyone else I know, you have to admit, you send the most stuff without, with like zero context. You mean on Twitter? No, via uh, text message or the WhatsApp. Shut up, Luke. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> no, I'm not listening. I appreciate him. I would rather have him than, than not. It's just then me putting them on Instagram. It's like, hey, here's a thing. Here's a thing from Gomer. It's a house with water. Hey, and also, Sister Miriam James said she'll come on our podcast anytime. I know. I was going to try to. Uh, she's going to be at Encounter Houston, right? I think so. Or am I getting her confused with another person? Because um, I was trying to find a time with her, and it was a little, it, and it wasn't working out. But I was like, "Oh, she's going to be at this, so we'll just talk to her." I'd rather talk to her in person, anyways. All right, okay, man. I'm going to let you go. Hey, everyone who has reached out to me about helping me out with prison ministry stuff, you guys are awesome. Uh, it's glass canvas, Luke, not glass wall. Um, and I said glass canvas. <laughs> no, you didn't. Wait, shit. Now I'm backwards. 
one of us said the wrong thing and he corrected us in this text in this message he sent me but uh thank you all for doing it thank you for praying for the ministry and mentioning the ministry uh i did a jen fullweiler show and got a ton of people who are like wait what is prison ministry and who are not like catching foxes fans so uh i just want to say thank you all for uh thank you all for listening tuning in oh and jen fullweiler interviewed me about the hurricane that was crazy we, she interviewed me literally an hour before we ended up calling the shots and just leaving. Oh, wow. That's she, that's crazy. She's like, we just talked to you the other day. However, you're my man on the ground because you're the Twitter feed I've been following the most. Really? I was like, okay. I'll take did it. you hold, did you like, while you had the phone in one ear, did you um, have your fingers in the, the other so you could be like the guy on the ground? <laughs> like, you know, hi, Janice Gomer here. Um, <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Hi, Jets Gomer here. There's a lot of wind. I can barely hear you. Good thing I sat out here with my rain jacket and my hood over my face. Here come the boys in blue. <laughs> Flying away. <laughs> Gotta go by Hitler. And <laughs> the Great War. <laughs> Speaking of the Great oh. War, I purchased Wonder Woman, and I'm going to watch it tomorrow night with my missus. No, oh, hey, really quick. Thoughts on the last game, Game of Thrones? Oh, last Game of Thrones made the whole season worth it. Yep. Last hey. Game of Thrones redeemed the whole season. And I will say this, the last Game of Thrones episode explained the lowest of the low parts that happened earlier in the season. It doesn't justify the fact that they were low, but it definitely explains it. Well, like, Bran is a weirdo. We just know that now because that's the task of being the three-eyed raven. Sansa and Arya, their weirdness together and the pettiness was all just... Oh, shit, spoiler horn. Was all just a show for... For... See, I don't think it was a show. They deleted a scene where uh, I, I think in the show, Sansa actually changes her mind after talking to Littlefinger in the last episode. She goes, they, they had a scene where she goes and talks to Bran and then she decides to not kill Arya. Oh, okay. So everything is real up until then. Okay. All right. Well, either way, I love you, buddy. Take care. Good night. All right. Bye. <laughs> it's 1030. It's 1130. All right. Bye. All right.